Welcome to Generation Why Am I Like This. I'm Liz. I'm Alec. And I'm Casey. And this is the podcast where we look back at some of our favorite pop culture moments from our childhoods. This week, we are talking about young Sherlock Holmes. What a ride. What a ride. (laughs) So this is the first episode of Spooky Season. Each Thursday of October, we're going to bring you something new and spooky. So we hope that you have fun and enjoy all of the spooky things that we will be talking about this October. It's a spooktacular. We're excited. Spooktacular. <laughs> so, Young Sherlock Holmes is a film from 1985. Film is maybe question mark. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> For some reason... I watched this movie a lot as a child, uh, and I think I had a VHS recording of this from the TV. So it played on the TV somewhere, and my dad recorded it on a VHS. I don't know. It's one of those ones that I don't think a lot of people talk about, but it is directed by Barry Levinson, and then it was written by Chris Columbus, uh, who also wrote Gremlins and Goonies oh, around the so same good. time. And then it was produced by Steven Spielberg. So Steven Spielberg also produced Gremlins and Goonies. So this movie, a lot of people call this kind of the forgotten Spielberg movie because it was during this heyday of Spielberg, but it was not anywhere near the level of Gremlins and Goonies. Both are better movies, clearly. I think Gremlins is amazing. I think it's it's one of my favorites. As far as a similar vein It does have that adventure, family adventure vibe to Mm -hmm. it, where it would be a fun movie for you as a family to sit down and watch. Now, in saying that, it is also a movie from the 80s that's a family movie, so it's still very terrifying. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) very. Because bizarre, vaguely racist. All of your favorite things from the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just think that you could get away with so much more than you can today. I mean, today I can barely watch a lot of family movies unless they're like maybe an animated movie, a Pixar movie, a Disney movie. Some of those I can enjoy still, but there's a lot of the family genre that there's no freaking way I'm watching. Right. But Goonies is a great movie for everybody to watch. You know, there's a lot of those family movies from the 80s are still a lot of fun to watch. I think that's probably because they got away with a lot more. And so it is likable to more audiences mm-hmm. than just little kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also having someone like Steven Spielberg also produce your film, I think adds a different level to it, especially in the eighties where that's really the height of everything he mm-hmm. was doing. Yeah. He's like the pinnacle of blockbuster. Yeah. Exactly. Anyways. Yes. This movie also was planned to have some sequels. Uh, so the ending, which we're going to talk about later, is kind of set up to be a stinger for, ooh, maybe a sequel. And it clearly flopped, as I've said before. It did not happen. There were no sequels. The interesting thing about this movie is that there is, like, almost no one in this that is recognizable to me. I, I looked up into some of them, and some of them had, like, made-for-TV movies, small appearances in movies, small appearances in TV shows is what it seemed like mainly. But the guy that played Sherlock Holmes, his IMDb and Wikipedia page were just like this. This is it. So how weird is it to be the lead in a film produced by Steven Spielberg, written by Chris Columbus, and then... Well, and it's interesting, because I don't think he's really 
I don't think he's bad. I honestly don't think any of the performances in this movie are bad. I think that the script is not perfect and that it goes on for too long, which we'll talk about. I think that overall, all of these young actors, especially, did a pretty good job. I think that they were portraying their characters well and were fun. I watched a few uh, interviews on YouTube. So it was of Elizabeth and Sherlock. And it was interesting because the big thing was that they were talking about how obviously Sherlock Holmes never has a girlfriend, you know, in the actual books. And a lot of people say he's the OG misogynist because he's really horrible to women. (laughs) (laughs) Full stop. (laughs) I mean, the fact that misogyny probably existed before Victorian England, but okay. No, he invented it. I guess meaning just that he's a huge literary (laughs) character whose whole vibe is that, I mean, he's very smart and all that, but he also is very not nice to women. So the thing about this movie is they're trying to explain why Sherlock is like that later on with this plot. (laughs) So we're we're defending misogyny. We're explaining misogyny. It's different. Remember, it's We're mansplaining misogyny. (laughs) That'll be our next podcast is mansplaining misogyny. There's already enough of those. So that is most of the information about this movie that's out there. It did flop. So there's obviously not a ton of information about this. And we're going to talk about a few more things as we go through the plot. But let's go ahead and just start talking about the movie. So it opens in the dark streets of London with a mysterious cloaked figure. We follow this cloaked figure as it shoots a a blow dart into somebody's neck. and so. This character is Mr. Bobster, which I had no idea that was his name. That was his name. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we're going with this. Okay. All right. These are the names. <laughs> so Mr. Bobster proceeds to go to dinner and they bring him his food, which first of all, his food looks terrifying enough as is just plain. <laughs> yeah. Pro tip, don't order the Cornish hen at the restaurant in Victorian England. That's what it was. I was like, what is this thing? A pheasant? I'm so bad with birds and fancy food. <laughs> well, it still has its feet attached to it, which that just freaks me out. So they bring this, it still looks a lot like a chicken chicken to Mr. Bobster. <laughs> <laughs> he starts to freak out because the chicken comes to life and is this terrifying... So not only does it come to life, but its head breaks out of its body. Yes. So, like this chicken head pierces through the top of like this fully cooked what Cornish oh, head. God, yeah. It just like comes alive. It's terrifying. It is. And this is like two and a half minutes into the movie. Yeah. Yeah, like we've barely started the movie and this is happening. Since neither of you have had seen this movie before and this is new to you. I want to know, what's your immediate reaction to... Because is this what you were expecting from this movie? Absolutely not. (laughs) No. Well, the only thing I saw before was a clip you showed me, Liz, um, that happens way later to Watson. I still stand by the most terrifying thing that happens in this entire movie is that scene that happens (laughs) to Watson. So kind of prepared, but also not at all. I have to say, to set up a film... This this is a good one. Yeah, it gets your attention, definitely. And they build. They build upon it a lot. Yes, exactly. So after he leaves the restaurant, because he's freaking out, he goes home. He's trying to hang his hat up on his hat rack. Just ends up on his head again in this kind of magical yeah. way. Uh, some weird stuff is still happening. 
And his rack is made out of snake heads. Is that? It yeah. had like, like serpents, serpents on it, yeah. but it also had like weird bird heads too. Because this yeah. man loves a bird motif, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so then, of course, the serpent and bird heads start to come to life as well on this coat rack. They start to grab him. Then he has these sconces on his wall that have fire in them, and they start to mm-hmm. throw fireballs around the room. Yes! <laughs> I was so confused. He's bouncing little fireballs, and then the whole room is ablaze. It's, yes. It's a lot. It's a lot for a It is a scene. lot. Yeah, and then Mr. Bobster just hops out the window. He's like, I can't take this anymore. And this is all hallucination. Yes. Because of the blow dart. This isn't really happening to him. So the people in the restaurant don't see that the bird attacking him. There wasn't anyone else in his bedroom to witness what's going on. But essentially, he just leaps out the window. Looking like he committed suicide. Uh-huh. And as yeah. he's laying in the snow, cheering music starts and we go into the opening credits. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Chris Columbus. Which is... So this happens twice in the movie, and it is my favorite part of the movie, is that they have these title cards that explain that these are not actually what happened in the Sherlock Holmes books. And although there are some plot holes and it doesn't make sense with the books, um, that these are just kind of fun, non-canonical stories. So just enjoy it. It's fun. It didn't happen. (laughs) I read in like a bit of trivia that Chris Columbus was very deeply concerned whether the movie would upset Sherlock Holmes and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle purists. And so I kind of felt like this was the original fanboys situation where they were so scared about upsetting the fans right and i feel like that is kind of a new phenomenon where we constantly are talking about oh you're ruining my childhood because you're remaking this as the plot continues we of course then meet watson and so watson is going to be the narrator of the movie which i think is very pointless i don't know why we have to have watson narrate the movie but he does so <laughs> but the narration is done by like an older watson yes. like it's an adult voice yeah. narrating for the watson that's on the screen which is for whatever. some reason they created an hour and like 46 minute movie and they still had to have so much narration to fill in the blanks <laughs> so right. just excellent storytelling <laughs> <laughs> Watson arrives at school and meets Sherlock, and then Sherlock basically tries to guess everything he can about Watson before Watson can say anything, because he's like, I can deduce who you are. And so he is able to deduce what his name is, and then talks about how his favorite treat is custard tarts. Uh, (laughs) I could tell because there's specific color of dye on your shirt from the custard, and you're fat, (laughs) so I knew you ate a lot of custard tarts. That's essentially what it boils down to. Sloppy bitch. I just have to say, I kind of hate this motif in Sherlock Holmes, and I understand that's a big thing where he, like, breaks down and explains everything. I could have just told you, and we could have talked about this, but instead you want to talk to yourself for 30 minutes. So, cool. Thanks, Sherlock. Well, I mean, Sherlock is... Pop off. I mean, always an asshole. Like, he is... Sure is. No matter what version of Sherlock you watch, he's going to be an asshole. That's just part of his character. So, purists, you can still love that your favorite character is an asshole. (laughs) So then we meet Elizabeth, who lives with her uncle, who was the former president of this boarding school. And so he, for some reason, still gets to live in the attic of the boarding school. I don't know what situation this is, but whatever. So his uh, niece lives there with their dog, Uncas. (laughs) 
Uncus. We stand Uncus. Best character of the movie is Uncus, hands down. Yes. Uncus is actually named after a portion of the brain that is associated with seizures, and specifically seizures that develop from the Uncus are often preceded by hallucinations. So clearly they were trying oh. to put like a little seed of, oh, this movie has to do That's with- a little Easter yeah. egg for you. Oh, this movie has to do with hallucinations. So then we meet a character that basically becomes pointless in this movie. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're not wrong. And his name is Dudley. Dudley is the Draco Malfoy of the movie. Yes. Like, bad blonde hair, bad haircut, like, snooty. He's like- talks like he's rich you know that rich british accent i have to say the first scene that we actually get to see dudley talk and whatnot he's talking to elizabeth showing off his new pocket watch which he is obviously so proud of and sherlock just walks up he's like hmm it's not really italian oh look it's fake oh this was made in switzerland oh this was made somewhere else (laughs) you're poor as shit yeah essentially like you got con dude i know you like your watch but it's shit and I'm I'm sorry. I would be like, great, I'm going to ruin this man's life, too. That sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, Watson is in the library and then peers into the bookcase and can kind of see something. He can kind of see someone walking by and gets freaked out and then falls off the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he falls off the bookcase. And this is kind of the beginning of us being like oh watson's so clumsy what a clumsy boy he is (laughs) what a clumsy boy he is (laughs) he's fat and he likes custard tarts and he's clumsy then we get to really see the old school master rupert t waxflatter (laughs) what are these names (laughs) they're british you don't get it they're british (laughs) you know how people a lot of times say like oh your last name sometimes was based on what your ancestors did as work you know like blacksmith and potter and stuff can you imagine this person be like my father was a wax flatter like, what what is that what is it what what do you do i flatten wax <laughs> we find out that he's this inventor and he invents lots of things and he always is testing out new things and so he's got this crazy contraption that is a flying machine and I found out that almost this identical contraption is in the movie Wild Wild West with Will Smith. Oh my god. <laughs> yes, Flawless <it> movie. <laughs> That's on my list, don't worry. Wild Wild West is such a better movie, though. Is it? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a it really horror. is. Coming back to young Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it works for a little bit, and then he crashes. Then we head up to, like, his laboratory attic where him and elizabeth live which i love later on you find out that i guess they don't have beds because elizabeth is just sleeping in like this giant hammock but that's cool you have enough money to make all these machines but you can't buy beds that's where all their money is going (laughs) exactly so there's someone i think at this point out the window that they see and he sure looks out mysterious and then he looks down and on the paper like an obituary circled and then sherlock just looks like shocked and i was like what why is this anything you don't know there's a mystery afoot you know nothing he's just staring into the distance like someone died oh gosh (laughs) i guess because it was kind of a mysterious death and it was weird maybe that's why sherlock is interested but but i guess if you're that interested why wouldn't you just turn to the old headmaster and be like hey why why'd you circle this one (laughs) instead of just staring into the distance like what could this mean (laughs) That is true. They never really talked to him about any of this, which they could have used him as a source of information. Whatever. They're Maybe that would have tightened up the plot a little bit if oh God, he would have been it. important. <laughs> yes. 
And this is where we meet another important character to the film who is named Wraith. So he is a professor at the school, yeah, I believe, He teaches right? fencing. That's it. He's the fencing yeah, teacher. Yeah, I guess. That's it? <laughs> yeah, not all the sports, just fencing. He's just the fencing coach. It's British, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> the next big thing that happens is that we see another one of these hallucination sequences. So we're in a church, and this reverend is kind of setting up for whatever. He's lighting five billion candles. Know, and... right? <laughs> they need a lot of candles. There wasn't electricity. He's setting up to burn the place down. That's what this man is doing. <laughs> <laughs> and so he gets a blow dart to the neck and then starts kind of being freaked out a little bit. And then all of a sudden he looks at the stained glass window and then comes the biggest Maybe the only reason this movie is remembered to this day is because of the scene. This stained glass knight actually comes out of the stained glass and is a CGI character. And so this is the first theatrical movie to have a completely CGI character. Industrial Light and Magic animated the scene, which was overseen by John Lasseter. John Lasseter, who uh, is a scumbag and, again... This was the 80s, so things don't age well. Just, like, shitty men. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a very early movie credit for Pixar, because Industrial Light and Magic Animated Mm -hmm. is becomes Pixar. Uh, And so it took them four months to create this sequence. Good God. It looks good, though. It does. It does. It It really looks good. It looks really cool. I mean, DC could take some notes from them. There was also information about that Spielberg used a lot of the information from this movie to inform how he did Jurassic Park. Mm. It shows. Uh, Because, you know, they used a lot of these CGI practical effects in tandem. And so I think that he learned from this one and then used that in Jurassic Park. And I mean, Jurassic Park looks amazing. I mean, it, it it still looks great. All those dinosaurs look real to me. I mean, it. I'm, it looks so much better than a lot of CGI of today because they use that like combination of practical with CGI. It's because back then, since CGI was being developed and is very new, they wanted to make sure they could hide it as much as possible. So a lot of the major CGI scenes are very dimly lit so that it's easier to also like fade in those CGI characters and you can hide some of the issues with them. Mm-hmm. So that's why the stained glass still looks good is because although we just have candlelight, it's a lot of ambient light on them. They were much more aware, maybe, of, okay, we want to make this look as real as possible. And now I feel like it's just, oh, this is going to be CGI. They treat CGI like it's magic, as opposed to it being like it's an art, and you actually have to have a good eye and prepare for it well. Yeah. Yeah. So then our reverend character, who is being chased by this stained glass knight, runs out of the church and just gets straight up trampled by a (laughs) horse and carriage. (laughs) Yeah. And the driver doesn't look too worried. He's like, oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) The driver is probably like, oh, the third one this week. (laughs) Another. (laughs) Get out of the road. What you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So then uh, we go back to boarding school. And this is kind of the biggest moment with Dudley, basically, is that Dudley has hidden this trophy in the school and has given Sherlock an hour to find it and thinks that he's not going to be able to deduce where the trophy has been hidden. This sequence feels like it takes an hour of the movie. It does. Yeah, so then, of course, at the last minute, Sherlock finds the trophy and it's in this vase. (laughs) And so instead of just 
pulling the trophy out of the vase, he breaks the whole freaking vase. <laughs> Unnecessary. Our last little moments with Dudley, while taking a test, he throws a paper over by Sherlock's desk. Uh, and so then the teacher picks it up and thinks that Sherlock was trying to cheat on the test. And so then Sherlock gets expelled. So then we go to our third hallucination scene. And these are definitely the best scenes in the movie. We see our good friend, uh, Wax Flatter, <laughs> <laughs> in an antique shop of some kind, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Some kind Doing of, something. We see him get a dart to the neck. And this is our another hallucination with kind of these weird bat creatures. They're like bat yeah. dragons. I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're like little silver things that come to life, fly around them. And one like crawls on his shirt, and that's weird. Yeah, I thought they were like gargoyles because they're like little statues that came to life. Yeah, that makes sense. So then he tries to stab one of these, but of course ends up stabbing himself. Womp womp. Another mysterious suicide has happened. So this one obviously hits home for everybody. Sherlock's just been expelled and now kind of one of their only friends at the school has killed himself, supposedly. Um, and this is kind of where we really start to uh, get into the mystery and we start to see Sherlock and Watson and Elizabeth really looking into what's going on. An hour in, we finally start delving into the plot. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so basically, as they're really starting to delve into the mystery, uh, they do find a picture. It leads Sherlock to start searching in certain areas. And so then we stumble upon a pyramid uh, in the middle of Victorian England. <laughs> As one does. Casual. It's like in a warehouse or something, isn't it? It's bizarre. Yeah. Well, they find the tip of it in a warehouse. Just the tip. Just the tip. They have a comment that's like, uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. And they're like, more ways than one. And then they scale down and show how big the pyramid is. And I was like, this is yeah, horrible. <laughs> it's huge. It's like an underground cavern. Yeah. And so now they start to kind of search around where they're at. And this is when we see our this ceremony taking place. And so this is when we start getting into the questionably racist part of the movie. Eh, questionably? Is it questionable? Well, okay. Clearly taking somebody else's culture and applying it to white people. Demonizing it. That is happening. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. demonizing it, yes. This is the Temple of Doom section of the mm-hmm. film. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's very similar to Indiana Jones, this part of the movie, because, you know, they're peering in through and watching the ceremony. I mean, similar vibes for sure to Indiana Jones. This uh, girl is wrapped up uh, to be a mummy, but she's still alive. I'm, so part of the ceremony is that they are pouring this hot boiling like wax almost, but it's not, I don't know what it is. It's a hot boiling liquid of some kind and it pours from a Egyptian style goat's mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just vomits it all over <laughs> these young women. It just pours it into this sarcophagus. <laughs> and so basically this poor girl is boiled alive in this weird liquid um, and is now mummified yes she's now mummified can we also talk about the styling of these quote-unquote egyptian people (laughs) yes because it is bonkers (laughs) their heads are all shaved except for like a little ponytail yeah it's not a little ponytail though this is like to the middle of their back like I didn't say it wasn't long. It's just yeah. like the surface area on their head. It's small. Yeah. It's little, and it's like wrapped up with like metal coils, so it sticks up really high. I mean, I was feeling it. 
Um, and it was it. green. Like a lot yeah. of them had green hair. Which Ariana I thought Grande was weird. could never. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, why is this green? But is why there not? a reason? They're so ahead of their time. I mean, who was dyeing their hair green back then? Nobody. We're just trying to be Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish is trying to be them. <laughs> Oh, that's maybe where she got her inspiration yeah i'm sure movie. i'm sure she watched a specific movie yeah. <laughs> the scene has many many issues and one of those issues many, is many, many bad things many bad things uh one of the biggest ones being racism i do want to say though this set piece is so well done yeah. i know i love this set piece and it this is cool. part of this is okay so other than the hallucination scenes this is the scene that really sticks out to me when I remember this movie. It was the girl having the hot liquid poured all over her because I remember it being kind of freaky. Like I was like, oh, what's happening? And this music that they play uh, when they're in there and they're kind of chanting and doing this Egyptian chant. It was actually written for the movie. There's a video online where it has the lyrics. So if you want to try to the words to the song. Um, Our next episode. English, but... <laughs> Elizabeth Watson and Holmes are discovered by the Egyptian group, and so they start to run away. Um, and then, of course, they get shot by these hallucinogenic darts because they're dumb idiots. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Moral of the movie is they are dumb idiots. Well, they shouldn't have been sticking their freaking heads out of those giant eyeballs. <laughs> uh, so then they run to a cemetery. <laughs> Naturally. This <laughs> one does. <laughs> And this is where they, of course, then get split up, and they've all been hit with these hallucinogenic darts, so this is the epitome of the hallucination scenes, and quite possibly my favorite scene in the movie. So Elizabeth, she just gets attacked by corpses, whatever, it's not that big of a deal. Just gets Um, attacked by corpses? She falls into an open grave and is like laying there flailing around while these terrifying skeletons pop through the walls and try to grab her. It's awful. Yeah, Yeah. just gets attacked by skeletons. (laughs) Well, and then she's found by um, Sherlock and Holmes. I said Sherlock and Holmes. She's found by Sherlock (laughs) and Watson. And, like, they show this crypt keeper looking guy, like, chiseling her name onto a tombstone, like, cackling. I loved it. I wanted more of him. I I wish he had a spinoff movie. (laughs) I wish that this movie was a little bit better and just shortened up. Because there is some really good stuff in this movie. Like, I love these hallucination scenes. And I think just this whole scene is so fun. If they literally would have cut out all of the stuff about the weird Egyptian cult, they could even have, like, the same bad guy, the same kind of backstory, but just cut out all of that, they would have had a fine movie. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah, honestly, you're, you're right. After we see Elizabeth being attacked... They find her, or Sherlock finds her, and then we see Watson, and Watson is having his hallucination, and this is my favorite hallucination of the movie. Um, Because you're a sadist. (laughs) Watson is in the graveyard, and for some reason, he all of a sudden sees a pantry in the graveyard, uh, some sort of pantry cabinet. It's like an angel face that he sees a statue, and then the angel like smiles at him, and then breaks apart and becomes a pantry. Yeah, so many layers. <laughs> yes, so many layers. So this giant pantry appears, and it has all of these yummy treats in it, all of these desserts. So of course, this is what our friend, who has been established as chubby kid that likes custard tarts, uh, <laughs> sees in his hallucination. But there's another level to it. 
And that level is that these treats start to come to life. They hop out of the pantry and basically force feed themselves to Watson. It is so <laughs> awful. They all have these little <gasps> googly eyes. I hate it. <laughs> it's terrifying. Well, he also gets wrapped up by sausage. Oh, yeah. It's like Gulliver travels. He's like pinned down by all these sausages. And these weird anthropomorphic baked goods are like shoving themselves inside of Watson's mouth. It's terrifying. It's terrifying and I, there is a lot of layers to this, and I think it's way too sexual for a children's movie. Well, also, was Christopher Col- was Christopher Col- <laughs> was Chris Columbus like a fat kid, and this is him like living through some trauma right now about food? I'm very confused. There's a lot to unpack in this small little scene. Yeah, I don't know. It's a wild ride. I love the look of these little characters. I think they look hilarious, and but in like the best way, the best creepy way possible. <laughs> And I just love them, so, uh, I don't know. I guess that's, uh, why I'm like this. I'm pretty messed up, because I love my life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and this is the scene that Liz showed me out of context for the film. So going into this, this scene of these (laughs) desserts shoving themselves into a kid's (laughs) mouth is all I knew about this movie. So I knew we were in for a messed up ride from the (laughs) get-go. You were ready. You were ready. I was prepared, but not prepared. <laughs> so then we see Holmes having his hallucination, which is boring. I don't like this one. It's like, whatever, I don't even care. It is so boring. It is so vastly different. It's this weird, dramatic, like, theatrical lighting, and his parents just be like, why are you such a bad child? Well, the storyline apparently is that the mom's crying because Sherlock Holmes told his mom that his dad has been having an affair. And the dad blames Sherlock for telling his mom because he should be able to have his own private life. So Elizabeth is buried alive. Watson is being force fed food. And Sherlock Holmes is like, I have daddy issues. What a nightmare. (laughs) It's like, buckle up, kid. Yeah. (laughs) Gotta toughen up. It's just downhill from here. Okay. (laughs) But then as he's having this hallucination, there's also a real person attacking him. And so at first he thinks it's part of the hallucination and he keeps trying to tell himself, I'm hallucinating, I'm hallucinating. And then he's like, uh, maybe this is real though. And so he brings his fencing powers into, uh, use, kind of, (laughs) um, and actually uses a piece of a fence to fence. Um, (laughs) so. I didn't even think about that. (laughs) Fence fencing. (laughs) I don't know if I like that or hate that more. (laughs) And so it is one of the like cult members that has run after them and is trying to attack them. They all end up escaping. And this is when they go to the inspector. And so this is inspector Lestrade, um, which is the inspector from the Sherlock Holmes stories. They try to convince the inspector basically that these poison darts are being used and they try to explain the whole situation and of course Lestrade is like shut up you're stupid get away from me I don't believe anything that happens I don't want to listen to you and so the kids leave and they're kind of frustrated and we do see Lestrade prick his finger with one of these hallucination hallucinogenic darts mm-hmm. and that's all we see so we probably something's happening with him because he got pricked with one of the darts but we don't have to, we don't see it sadly yeah those are that is the end of the hallucinations which is really disappointing i yeah there are there are more hallucinations talked about but we don't get to see them and i find that really sad yeah then all of the kids are caught by wraith the professor at the boarding school 
because they've been housing Sherlock. And, of course, they shame Elizabeth for housing a boy in her apartment, which, first of all, did nobody care that Elizabeth didn't have a guardian of any kind anymore because her uncle died? They were just going to let her live there? I don't... (laughs) Did no one care that she was sleeping in a hammock and didn't have a bed? (laughs) I guess not. (laughs) Apparently not. Wraith brings in the school nurse, and the two of them detain all of the children and put them away, and Watson also is getting expelled... Um, And they basically are like, tonight you're going to stay here and then we're going to figure this out in the morning. And the nurse like threatens to kill Uncas, the dog, which really upset, I think, all three of us. Yes. Because Uncas is so cute. I know. Uncas is really cute. I mean, dogs are always cute, but he's especially adorable. Well, and it was like a big character shift for the nurse. She just out of nowhere is like, we need to put this dog down. I'll do it myself. (laughs) She turned into the Wicked Witch of the West. (laughs) Elmira Gulch or whatever her name is. So basically, they've all been detained. They escape because, of course, they do. They go and see the last person of this picture. So the picture that we previously saw, we find out that this is a group of people. Um, Once they go to meet Cragwitch, he explains everything. And he explains that they are this group of people that went to Egypt to build a hotel. (laughs) (laughs) For reasons. (laughs) And, of course, because they're dumb European people... They try to build this hotel on a sacred ground, and they tell them not to, but they do it anyways, and they ruin this sacred ground, and so they destroy a temple that ha- is housing these five Egyptian princesses. Basically destroy this entire community. I think kill a lot of people. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's accidental from what I understand, but I don't really understand how you accidentally do that, so whatever. Yeah, this is when we learned that... All of these men deserve yeah. to die. So every single one of them that had the hallucination and then like committed suicide, but not really, was somebody that was part of this hotel situation. So they were they went to try to build this hotel. And so the Egyptian quote unquote cult is actually trying to get five women and rebury them so that they fulfill. You find out that there are two people that were half Egyptian, half European or something that were living in Europe at the time that this happened. And then they find out and it's this brother and sister and they're upset by it. And so that's why they decide to recreate this uh, space, this ancient space in England. And so they get, (laughs) and they get a whole bunch of homeless Londoners to follow them in their cult. And they dress everyone up like Egyptians and build a two-scale pyramid out of wood in the middle of London. And so, and so, you know, the big reveal <laughs> is that, of course, this man that is half Egyptian is Wraith, the school teacher, and his what? sister is the nurse. <gasps> oh my! But God. the reveal, though, the reveal is so good because. They can we fast forward to when they get back to the the school? So they get back to the school and they're in the attic area. The school teacher and the nurse come in to capture them, I guess. Right? Yeah. Like they come into like, well, we found you out. And then Uncas the dog literally snatches the wig off of the school nurse, who is literally bald except for the little <laughs> ponytail, which we referenced earlier. So it was just wild. I loved that part so much. Yes. And so they get Elizabeth, and so of course Sherlock and Watson then chase after Wraith using the flying machine. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that goes great, because they crash it into a frozen pond and almost drown, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> Which, 
I love too is that they they break the ice with this super light flying craft that they have, <laughs> and then after they get off of it, so that means the most of the weight is already gone. Then it sinks into the water, and it's like, isn't it made of wood? <laughs> Why did this sink? There's a lot of things that sink in this movie that probably shouldn't sink. Yes. We'll get to that. (laughs) So then, of course, they go back into where the ritual is happening, and we see this all again. And they go to the same exact spot of the goat head eyeballs to peer out, which I was like, wouldn't you go to a new spot? Because they clearly are going to look for you there. But whatever. They don't, so that's fine. Everybody in this movie is stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then we have our full-on, full Indiana Jones moment, where Sherlock Holmes essentially jumps down to stop the ritual well wait no 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 he doesn't jump down he's like i'm gonna pull a phantom of the opera and drop the <laughs> yes. chandelier on all these people and and that's gonna stop them from pulling the lever so the goat head can't spew the wax yes but her. they wait till literally the last moment it's the most yeah, yeah, convoluted yeah. way <laughs> to fix this he like goes around and attaches this rope all over stuff and then breaks off a beam which then causes the chandelier to fall and then the whole freaking pyramid starts coming down. Well, not only coming down, but it lights on fire, too. Mm-hmm. Like, out of nowhere, the and whole Elizabeth place is up is in flames. And still wrapped up as a mummy and about to still get all this boiling crap spewed all over her. Luckily, the pyramid breaking makes the boiling wax, like, spew to the left a little bit so that it doesn't hit Elizabeth. Just beside her. Yeah, <laughs> it's still dangerously close. <laughs> Thankfully, Watson goes and helps, and they all start to kind of tussle with these Egyptian cult follower people, and the nurse uh, character goes over and is trying to blow dart Sherlock, and they're tussling on the ground, and Sherlock blows through the blow dart thing and blows the dart. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> blows the dart. Into her throat. Into her throat. Oh, oh my God. Wild. And then she freaks out. And then backs up and walks into a fire. And so then she's lit on fire. This entire huge robe she's wearing (laughs) is just up in flames. Yeah, so then uh, Wraith is able to get Elizabeth. Somehow he's quick changed back into his school clothes. We don't really know why, but (laughs) he has. Um, So Wraith is trying to get away with Elizabeth. All the while, Sherlock is now passed out on top of the chandelier. And Watson has gotten to the top of the pyramid. He actually has an intelligent moment where he decides, oh, I can latch on to the carriage that Wraith is trying to get away and attach it to the chandelier that is holding Sherlock. And so he is able to hook the rope onto the carriage. The carriage drives away and it makes the chandelier come back up to the top. And so it brings Sherlock up to where Watson is. Honestly, pretty cool sequence, to be honest. It's kind of fun. There's a standoff between the three of them, and Wraith pulls out a gun and shoots at Sherlock, but Elizabeth dives in front of it and gets shot. She should not have wasted her life on Sherlock, but whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, We were all thinking it. (laughs) And so then, now we have the most epic stage combat scene of the movie, uh, between Wraith and Sherlock, where they are fencing to the death um, on top of a frozen pond uh, that has been broken. And so they, they're... On top of frozen You, know, you can see the very obvious uh, fake snow, which I appreciate. And of course, Sherlock wins, and Wraith sinks into the water. And this is the most ridiculous <laughs> sequence. His eyes, like, he's not passed out. 
he's not stabbed like an immortal wound or anything. Yeah, this isn't he a just, Titanic moment. Yeah, he just loses the sword fight and then he just sinks into the water. <laughs> yeah. And it's very like Terminator 2 Judgment Day where he sinks in and his arm is still raised up and he's just slowly sinking down into the water. But yeah, and then they go back over to Elizabeth and she dies. Yeah. Bummer. And so this is, I guess, supposed to explain why Sherlock is a jerk and doesn't like women and is mean to women because the only woman he loved died. So apparently you should blame other women for that. I don't... That makes sense. And yeah, so then Watson and Sherlock just kind of go back and it's like, oh, wasn't that the adventure of a lifetime? Yeah, I wish we could say, I wish we could say that was the end of the movie, but then they have a whole, you know, epilogue where they have to explain how he deduced everything. So uh, then, of course, we get our second title card of the movie explaining that this doesn't follow. uh... (laughs) Once again, this isn't what really happened in Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's work. Yes, but it was so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how you should end every movie is saying, "Um, I'm sorry, this wasn't a faithful adaptation, but it was fun to make. (laughs) We had fun. Didn't you have fun? So, uh, I actually don't think I have ever watched the end credits. And so, Casey, what happens? We find out that Wraith isn't dead because this is like a post credit scene because they truly thought they were going to have another movie. Yeah. So Wraith doesn't die. He goes to an inn and they're like, would you like a room? And he's like, I sure would. (laughs) And then they zoom in (laughs) to the guest book and he's writing his name and he writes down Moriarty. (sighs) <sighs> and gasp i didn't know who that was so i had to google it <laughs> it's apparently supposed to be mm-hmm. uh sherlock's big yeah, he's the, nemesis yeah, moriarty is sherlock's like number one nemesis that was the journey that was <laughs> young sherlock holmes so <laughs> i hope that you enjoyed listening us listening to us ramble about this very weird movie that i watched as a child <laughs> Well, now, I know we hit on some points, but this truly begs the question, Liz, why are you like this? (laughs) Honestly, I don't know. I (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) I think it's just funny to think that I watched this movie as many times as I did as a kid, because it isn't, there are moments that are crazy and very weird, but overall, this movie isn't super fun. Like, it's not a super fun kids movie. I don't know, but I just loved it. I think I just really loved those hallucination scenes, and they really stuck with me, and I just wanted to see them over and over and over again. I liked creeping myself out and seeing creepy stuff. And so, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as I've yeah. said many times, that's why I think that I am the horror fan that I am today. So. so, before we wrap up the podcast, I would like to let you know that we do have a visual companion to accompany this episode. You can find it on Twitter, at Why Am I Like This?, Instagram at Why Am I Like This Podcast or Facebook on our generation Why Am I Like This Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, uh, we also have an email, which is why am I like this at gmail.com. And if you do listen to us on a service that uh, provides a way to give us a rating or a like, please do so. I know that Apple Podcasts gives you that option. You can give us a little review, tell people that you like it. Uh, it does help our ratings and boost us so more people can listen along. Well, as we end every episode, we are going to talk about our many good things of the week. Many good things. So for me this week, 
Uh, I thought I would bring up something else that is a bit spooky. It is a book called The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. And I really like Grady Hendrix in general. I think his books are really fun. And so this book is about a group of housewives in the 90s. Basically, somebody has joined their neighborhood and they all in their book club read true crime books and uh, their husbands aren't allowed to know because they some of them tell their husbands that they're reading the Bible. Like, you know, so they're secretly doing this. And so they form their own little group of misfit housewives in the 90s. And it's a really fun read. I think it becomes pretty spooky. And uh, it was just a good journey. I like his writing a lot. And I highly recommend it, especially for October. It does sound like a fun read. It is definitely on my list. Alec, what about you? What's your many good thing this week? Uh, Well, I've spent a lot of time watching YouTube this week. And I know that my partner Isaiah was really uh, fascinated with the videos done by Lindsay Ellis, who is a she kind of reviews everything books, music, uh, movies, especially. Um, She's really fun to listen to. She has some great videos on the movie adaptation of Cats, which came out last (laughs) winter, which are pretty wild. But I recently discovered that she has a podcast called Musical Splaining. And it is very fun to listen to. It's been out for a while. I think she started doing it at the beginning of this year. It's her, Lindsay Ellis, and her co-host is Kava Tahirian, I believe is his name. And they're both just really funny. So Lindsay knows a lot about musicals. Kava doesn't really know much. So she's kind of exposing him to these musicals for the first time and getting his honest reactions. And they cover things like Beetlejuice and Frozen and Cats. <laughs> and it's really fun to listen to him. So I am on a podcast plug in another podcast, but you know, I'm going <laughs> to go with it. And it's yeah. really fun. Check it out. So this week I have two and I will keep them short. One is I've been reading the book series by Rainbow Rowell of Carry On and its sequel, Wayward Son. They're a lot of fun. I was trying to find alternatives to Harry Potter style books for obvious reasons right now. <laughs> and while it's not quite exactly that, it is like fan fiction of Harry Potter, but in A fun way, and in this one, the boys kiss, and I like the boys kissing, and it's fun. We like boys (laughs) kissing. We like boys kissing. Wait, so carry on and wayward son? Yes. Yes. That's hilarious. My other mini good thing is that last week when we finished recording Sailor Moon, um, my two co-hosts have started watching the series. Uh, Alec, for the first time, Liz, revisiting it, and it makes me so happy to... I'm obsessed with it. (laughs) Out of... A semi-daily basis now, getting at least a text or something about Sailor Moon and the fact that our podcast has made these two some moonies, which is what they If we're not them. changing anyone else's lives, we're changing our <laughs> own lives, and that's all that really matters. That's all you can do, okay? I feel like that's, that's like the end do. of an episode, like a TV special, where it's like, you might not be changing someone else's life, but you're changing your life. Like Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon says. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. Well, I think think that's yeah, about it thank you guys so yeah. much for listening we will be back again next week with an episode about my pick which is following the spooky theme and it is courage the cowardly dog <laughs> show was obsessed with the man and goes, i can't wait the man and goes <laughs> <laughs> king ramses <laughs> goodbye everyone bye, bye.